All right. Deep breath. <laughs> I'll take one with you. <laughs> Technical <laughs> difficulties. Talking to someone. Yeah. So ease into it because uh, technical difficulties sometimes. I'm just like generally irritable. My house is a mess because I had to um, move everything out of every cabinet and every closet on the ground level uh, and the like counter level below. And all of my furniture had to be like three feet off of the wall. So everything in a big like bonfire pile this week. Oh. And it has just put me <laughs> way back because like my life you, is just. Are you painting your walls or what's the. <laughs> no, no, was it was just to have. The... It was. Oh, I'm sorry. Because there was a fumigation. Uh, I had roaches oh. coming in because there was this plumbing issue. And uh, and so it was just like yeah. it was. It's one of those things that I'm glad I did it. But like now my life is just me staring at a huge to-do list <laughs> of like cleaning up in every yeah. single room of my house. So it's just like, everything is just, I lost $40 randomly. It's somewhere in this house. <laughs> You'll find it, I believe. And it's like such a vis uh, interesting visual representation of the disorganization in the middle of your room too. Like <laughs> yeah. of where your to-do list is not even on a list. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's like it's scattered. <laughs> it's all in plastic bags oh my god so so yeah so uh so then like i when i lost the 40 dollars, that was just one of those things where i had to be like meh and when this happened i just had to roll with it i was like no i'm, I'm i know how to, i know what the settings are this shouldn't be working like this if i need to restart the computer i will but let me try one last time and we're good sorry sorry for oh, ranting at is, you about that <laughs> that is like i mean this is particular to covid times like we're all getting you know dealing with new technology and there's issues with technology and it's definitely not perfect so are you zoom working a lot yeah that's i mean it takes up like a quarter of my day really so, that sounds fun. yeah yeah and then expected to work on top of the you know what the zoom calls a lot of it, it's just like meetings coordinating and talking about what you're going to work on without what? doing the work because because uh, what's it called just regular meetings in a room were always so useful and a good use of everyone's time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like but I mean, regular honestly, meetings, I, over management. I appreciate them. Yeah, for sure. But I, I totally appreciate because those meetings, even though at that time felt like, you know, could be a waste of time, uh, takes like twice or three times as long when everyone's not in the same room and oh, really? coordinating over Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is there a lot of troubleshooting at the beginning? So you're just like, you were, you were fine with it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I'm very used to that. Um, particularly in the first month of COVID and I am, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm the most, uh, technological, I'm kind of technologically challenged, I think in yeah. some respects and, and zoom was scary for me to get used to. <laughs> and then, um, seeing yourself and then you have to see yourself all the time too when yeah. you're on zoom. Uh, yeah, so I do. I do like. I'm gonna have to start doing the uh, video so that I can see. So that there's like visual cues in conversation because that is kind of disruptive. Yeah, to sort of yeah, like, I, it's like it's. I can hear it in every in every uh, episode that that I do Skype. So I do need to get a camera. But for now, everybody's really relieved that <laughs> there's no visual element to it because there's like a bit of anonymity. Yeah, and it feels actually kind of uh, like old school or less uh, less like you're consumed by the screen, uh -huh. um, which I'm so used to every day. So actually, I appreciate like 
phone call, even just like phone talking to friends or family on the phone is preferred these days. Um, because it does seems more archaic or just like more, even though of course talking the phone is, you know, technology is involved, but it's not the same as the zoom call and then zoom calls being recorded and all that. It's, it's a weird, weird thing. Yeah. I wonder like what entertainment's going to be like, you know, now that all storylines have to sort of exist in the real world, or are we just going to have entertainment that exists continually in the world that we used to live in? <laughs> yeah. Um, I know like pivoting has been like a big part of so much like COVID for corporations, like uh, response to COVID um, and media. Um, so um, as I, there was some, some Muppet show that came out recently uh, where all the Muppets are recorded um, and separate uh, separately. And then someone some editor combined all the Muppets together. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. that's crazy, but, all, but still like it, it's keeping the illusion that we can live like that right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause like all that trouble, like instead of just like making entertainment about the fact that everyone's in COVID, I mean, how entertaining is that? Obviously there's not a lot of trauma on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> right. But there's yeah. definitely shit going on. I, it just, that's just a, a, a curiosity that I, I had recently. But uh, what, what's your background? Because I think you're from Chicago, right? Yeah, I'm originally from Chicago. I moved to L.A. five years ago. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. Hold on. Yeah. I just realized. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found or the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And my guest today is Aubrey Igmar Manson. And I'm really yes. excited to talk to you because I'm a huge true crime fan and I wonder what it's like to have Charles Manson as a father. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's funny. I, you know, Do you get that shit it's a lot? not many people. No, I would say like boomers, definitely. Really? Like the boomer, boomer generation for sure. I feel but attacked. I don't hear from millennials or gen, gen X. I never, I rarely ever get are you, that. Are you a gen X or a millennial? Uh, millennial, um, be 33 in a few months. Uh, so I'm like right in that cusp or that middle total millennial. Total millennial. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, you were saying you were from Chicago and you moved out here? Yeah. Um, from Chicago, uh, moved out to LA five years ago. Um, I had graduated with an MFA from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Um, but you grew up out there, right? Cause your family's there. Yeah, yeah, okay. all my family's there. Uh, grew up in and around Chicago. Um, actually, born in like a not a, a pretty terrible neighborhood of Chicago. Yeah, uh, yeah. And <laughs> I don't know. Like I've seen, I've lived in and seen all aspects of of Chicagoland, and actually, um, you know, didn't realize like how segregated it was. How. Uh, you know, how much there was like a police state, police sort of. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand that living because that's all I was used to. Yeah. Um, yeah and although yeah. LA is not much better, there's definitely um, a difference. For sure. I mean, I think that maybe it's it has something to do with the size of the city as well. Like Chicago is probably a little bit easier to control. It's, a, it's, it's I mean, it's a big city, but it's pretty manageable too. In terms of getting well, across town, or am I? I don't. 
or or am I like just thinking of downtown area? Well, like manageability about like travel. Well, I, I just I, I think sorry. So, but Go ahead. Yeah, I mean it's definitely traffic. It's like a different type of traffic than LA. Like LA is slow traffic, and everyone kind of stays at this similar uh, speed. But Chicago, everyone like races on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. But I feel so like as far. We're yeah. more insulated into our neighborhoods here, right? Like, yeah, you know, like you, you're a West Sider. I mean, maybe, does that happen that much over there? Um, particularly, I think from like the South Side is definitely. Is that uh, a safety issue or or a distance issue? Uh, I think it's be it's like systemic. I don't think it's necessarily safety. It's like these are the areas that people, you know, a black person can buy a property in this area. So that's the only red zoning, right? So no, what I, the way, the way I'm, I'm sorry if the way I asked the question was inappropriate. I, I, I mean, in terms of like, um, <clears throat> like obviously it's systemic, but is it because like, for example, there are many reasons that, that that can happen. Um, but what I'm saying is that like over here, I don't go to the West side just because it's, in, it's geographically inconvenient. Right. Uh, is yeah. going to the South side geographically inconvenient or by systemic racism and red zoning, does that end up um, making something that should be pretty easy to get to maybe less uh, frequent? Yeah. Is that the I case? I would say it's the latter. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, you know, the white people are afraid to go to certain areas of the South side, um, you know, and there's even like, racism among Hispanics and black people. And oh yeah, for sure. I, I, like, so it's like those kind of things, like people, some certain groups might not feel safe in another area. And I think that's the biggest like segregation that happens in the city based on that. What's cause I, I want to like, cause you do have a very anglicized name. Uh, what's your background? Cause you don't strike me as like a blonde white girl. No. Um, I'm half white. Um, my okay. mother is, is, is Mexican. Okay. Um, my, my father's all sorts of European, like, you know, I'm, yeah. a, I'm totally a mutt. Um, so, but, but, so, but Aubrey Igmar Manson, so Manson is your dad's name. What, what's his background? Mm-hmm. European mutt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's European mutt. Yeah. Um, but my mom is, um, I guess she's technically second generation Mexican American. Do you um, identify as Chicana at all, or is that too far away from you? To I want, like, I I did, I did, uh-huh. particularly in Chicago. Um, so when I moved to LA, I didn't feel like I could. Yeah, I don't know. I think in many ways, and um, my fa- my particularly my abuela, she did not. She wanted to Americanize her children too, so she didn't teach my mom or my aunts and uncles. Um, Spanish at all. Uh, it was in the sixties. Just like, yeah, it, yeah. it's hard. It's like, I want mm-hmm. to, I totally, you know, particularly when it comes to, uh, cuisine and just like my, uh, when I spend time with my, the Mexican side of my family, I definitely feel more, you know, that's, that feels like my, my culture, but, and particularly since, um, my dad's a European mutt, there's not so much like culture there. So, 
Yeah, well, yeah. He, he or he maybe doesn't necessarily. I mean, because there's a lot of like people that love their European culture. <laughs> but yeah. I get what you're saying. Like he he maybe doesn't have a specific uh, sense of identity um, with any one exactly. of them. Yeah, and yeah, it's, and as strong it is is on my mom's side. It's so strong. And to yeah. be fair, also like I mean, you're probably identified as not more as Mexican than you are as European, right? Because you've got the dark hair. Yeah, for for sure. Like appearance, um, I look Hispanic. Um, More than me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I get so misidentified. But sorry, that's my problem. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I know you're Hispanic because of your name, but yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm you know, and there's a lot of Hispanics that are like very white passing too. And yeah, which I am they definitely have European roots and all that. Yeah. So, uh, what's your topic today? Uh, okay. Um, so I was trying to think, I, I don't know if I have, well, you can I have do wanna, six. Yeah. I think there's so much going on in the world, so we can kind of relate it. The main t- overarching topic to, um, current events and mm-hmm. I know this has ended later in July, so things might change, you know, in a few more weeks, but, um, you know what, I've been actually just posting <laughs> the episodes in the order they come and they're like, even though they're outdated, it doesn't, it hasn't changed much. (laughs) So if this comes in August, you know, I'm sure it'll still be relevant. Yeah. Um, but okay. So uh, relate this topic to both, uh, things that are currently going on, but also, um, my art practice. So I want to talk about late stage capitalism in a more broader sense and particularly how it relates to yeah, current events. And then uh-huh. if you want to get in more specific realms, my, um, my art practice as well. Well, I was actually checking out a little bit more in depth cause I know it from Instagram, but I hadn't really had a chance to look at your, um, your website. And I'm excited to talk about it because I do think that there's something <clears throat> like kind of intentionally disarming about the way that you approach it. It's a JIT prop, but it's not uh, um, necessarily very traditionally aggressive or even that masculine. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you think about like Russian propaganda, uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, communist propaganda and whatnot. Not that I'm saying you're making communist propaganda, but I do no. think that that there's like a soft edge to it, which is, is kind of an interesting take on it, which I enjoy. Uh, it's like very biomorphic. Mm-hmm. In, in presentation. Sorry, I'm going off on a rant. I had just looked at it and I wanted to get points for having yeah. looked at it. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for looking at it. Thanks for looking at the work. Um, but, and I, and thank you for saying that too, because, um, you know, that does relate to what I'm trying to get across, um, or at least like visually, like, I don't want to hit people over the head with my politics, but then I do want to, the work to kind of be in a realm of, um, like visual satire. So and it's also a little fantastical yeah. too, in a weird way, but but I think you know I just kind of because I, I know that you have one thing that's about matriarchy, and one of the things that that registered for me is sort of that it is like a jit prop from a world that is matriarchal or or that is not like you know like I th- I think that like traditionally what I would think of you, those um, not, not necessarily so much with. Uh, Chinese propaganda, communist propaganda, mm-hmm. which, cause that's a little bit softer, right. And it's, it's more mm-hmm. illustrative, 
even though it can get a little aggressive. But like with that Russian stuff, it's very like, you know, <laughs> lines and aggressive lines, right? Yeah. Where this is like a little bit like globular or blobby, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much of like the body and um, a lot of my art practice background. Uh, I, I explored material usage um, very much so. So like um, there's transformation of materials as well. Um, and I have actually, you brought this, uh, the propaganda that you brought up. I've, I have looked at both Russian, um, oh, Russian no, I propaganda can tell. and socialist like uh, posters from like the 1920s through like the 40s. Um, but, and, and, and I totally take it as a reference for, uh, for how do you, how does past structures represent political ideologies. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then what is current, you know, what do those current structures look like now? Like, how can I represent? I certainly have a certain agenda behind what I'm trying to get across in my work. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's fairly apparent. I use language often, um, and uh, pretty direct in that way, but then there's also metaphorical representations of, um, like I think it's like, yeah, exactly, hammers. Um, I use like flags, and that's an um, interesting one. I, I now that we're talking, because that is like a worker's tool, and mm-hmm. so flax. What, how does flax tie into it? What's flax? I don't know. I just don't know. Oh, the flag. A flag. <laughs> oh, Sorry, flags. Flag. Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought it was like flaxseed or some shit. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is getting, this is getting <laughs> in like the Ansel Kiefer. cultural <laughs> revolution. Yeah. Like <laughs> workers toil. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Did you, uh, so, sorry, go, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the representation of the hammer, which was used in an installation um, last summer at RVA LA, which is an artist run, uh, project space. Um, Andrew RV? Cortez, like, uh, RVA recreational? A- oh no. Okay. Uh, no, it's ARVIA, and it's the space is outdoors of the artist. It's the artist's backyard basically, but he's opened it up for the last few years, um, to artists to build installation and not really given many, you know, artists can do what they want with the mm-hmm. property. And, um, just, you have to stay on the property for a little bit, like work with the land, work with the property in some manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Andrew Cortez and Anne-Marie Taylor, um, run RBA LA and it's named after the street that the house is, house is on. Okay. And well, the other thing that I would say is that we're talking about a JIT prop but mostly that is like in terms of posters and pamphlets and things like that. But you're actually doing installations, which makes, which I think it kind of plays into that. Like you can sort of get into these spaces that are these whimsical, like, sort. I mean, whimsical, ugh, I hate that word. But yeah, it's not the best word, <laughs> but, but I, I understand because I've gotten that from several people as yeah. far as like, because of the colors and. It, yeah, the, well, I think it's it's because we don't associate the, that kind of aesthetic with a, anything that uh, charged. I think mm-hmm. you know, like it's usually like even the Chinese uh, propaganda stuff is like it's it's uh, 
it's still a little bit more grounded in the real world. So I think that that's where the why I accidentally disrespectfully dropped whimsy, but but it's it, you get what I'm saying. Like it's not. Um, there's a mixing. There's a I guess there's a mixing of like. Uh, these things like I feel like you could show that kind of work to a kid and not challenge them too much but an adult could also uh, experience it and understand it at a different level right as opposed to yeah. like you know showing kids pictures of the holocaust and explaining that to right. Them. <laughs> right I mean not exactly. to laugh at, like, at like just the horrors of like having to deal with that when you're a kid <laughs> yeah exactly it's um it's kind of like beckoning people to come in yeah. in a way or something. Um, is cozy a better word? Cozy is good, comfortable, um, but uncomfortable when they kind of, I think when you examine it further, it becomes uncomfortable. But the initial like reaction is, oh, these are really bright colors. I'm invited in. I want to touch the material. Uh, you know, it, it visually like seems, yeah, like you could say uh, fantastical or something or, um, cause I do, I try to like, uh, certainly encompass, I think of the viewers, someone entering the space and how am I gonna, you know, entertain yeah. this person in the space and get them to look at certain visual cues and, and all and that. there's like floppy oversized objects and stuff like that. It, it's, uh, it's almost, um, you know what, like, it's like, it has a similar, it's almost like, uh. I'm going to be careful how I say this, but a similar thing to like Disney where, where, which is also propaganda, but like, oh yeah, for sure. but, but just sort of this, like, you know, like if you really start looking around, you start seeing that there's like an underground police <laughs> at Disneyland. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's still a JIT prop. It's still like, it's, it's, it's the, the agenda is sort of, one of like it's like not rallying cry but like to agitate right mm -hmm. so the end result it, like even though you're burdening people with like information you're not like ruining their day <laughs> right like, you know that you're or hitting them over the head like with yeah with a, a like a sharp or blunt instrument or something yeah like you're that. being very direct and then there's like maybe some things that they can sort of hang on to and like reconsider as opposed to being like, Oh my God, when can I stop thinking about this? Like <laughs> horrible world mm -hmm. we live in, which may be my approach a little bit more on the podcast. I'm like, everybody's going to die. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's certain like aspects to just people giving up too, when yeah, yeah. they absorb so much information, there's such a large part of uh, late stage capitalism is this whole nihilism towards it too. Yeah. Like people can't even take action against it anymore. And, and then the action that's taken against it's totally like subsumed again by the cap like capitalism. So I think that kind of, that damn it. I think you're right. And that dam is breaking. And I think people, and what scares me is that I feel like people are trying to put that dam back up. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is which is uh, troubling to me because it's like there's the, people want there to be a huge a quick solution, and that solution that that just gives me a sense that they want to put back those blinders on and pretend that kids aren't in cages oh, yeah. because it's not Trump doing it, you know. Right. And like, and I do think that there's like a huge amount of denial 
uh, that people still have because they're just barely starting to realize that there's injustice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like... I know. It's just like a huge wake up. I think, a, yeah. you know, people I never thought would say that they're feeling a wake up call or, or saying so. And um, and then, and, and like, at, on to that point, as far as, um, uh, you know, particularly with like corporations right now and their response to... Black Lives Matter or the COVID pandemic, it's, it's like, uh, you know, the, I have total qualms with um, the Facebook boycott right now. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be controversial saying this or not. But Oh, bring it, girl. This is your home, <laughs> your home. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, and I'm not black, so I can't, you know, but I, I certainly have a, a view of this and I'm, I'm listening to the black community. But, you know, this is meant for the corporations to make, you know, for them is to make a, a statement against hate speech. But, um, you know, this is also and, and by removing their advertising, advertising from Facebook. But at the same time, commodity has really commodity purchasing has really stalled. Yeah. So it's, it's like <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> so like. <laughs> Um, so there's oh, like yeah. no need. So they're like saving money, but they're like, Oh, how can we, how can we twist this? To I be, wonder like, how much of that is tied into the, also the Washington football team, which by the way, oh. it's like, did you, did you hear? I haven't heard about that. Okay. So the Washington, as far as I understand it, the Washington Redskins, cause I, this is based on not even listening to the donkey of the day, but, uh, Charlemagne, the God and the breakfast club cover, like just seeing the headline that the Washington Redskins team is changing their name to the Washington football team. And there's two oh, interesting right, yeah. things there. One was that like people stopped selling their shit, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Their merchandise because of Black Lives Matter. But that now you're bringing up the point, like maybe that stuff wasn't selling anyway, so it's not that big of a stance, right? It's just like a yeah. tokenist thing. But then uh, the other thing is that what I think is hilarious about them calling it the... Uh, Washington football team is that like it is like no one will ever be able to make us change our name again like we are going as safe as fucking oh, yeah. possible yeah oh my gosh for sure <laughs> I don't know if that was his take on it Charlemagne's take on it but it's fucking hilarious it's just like really that's what you know like oh, bro Dan Snyder's such an idiot I used to live in the DC area so I remember oh. when he started owning the team and oh, DC sports is a very, very crazy thing. I yeah, that's some that's a realm I have no understanding or education in or yeah. you know, but um, but that's interesting as far as you know, um, even a corporate team like taking on what is meant to you know, and like the Black Lives Matter is not demanding that uh, or. That corporations take stances in a way that's like for PR related reasons, right? They actually yeah. want s- systemic change. Um, and by putting a Band-Aid over it and saying, oh, well, we are writing Black Lives Matter across the boulevard here or we're going to do a campaign um, and it, no longer give funding to Facebook because they encourage hate speech, which I mean, I don't know, it's – they, they want the funding of the police, you know, and they want um, things to help their communities. They want 
policing to who Facebook? Be, no, uh, okay. no, Black, Black Lives Matter. Matter. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Well, I. I mean. I don't know how much of a rehash this is for things that I've already said on the show, but I have a huge problem with anybody censoring anybody for any fucking reason, even if they are inciting people to violence. Like, if they are inciting people to violence, okay. I mean, I'm not pro-police, but, like, we can investigate that. But to completely censor that shit, you start to force people underground. It becomes very fucking weird, right? You get, like, that's... um it's it, it and and then everybody like dude you start to make weird distinctions like in a place where in a world where you can deplatform Alex Jones you can also arrest uh Julian Assange under the Espionage Act and yeah. I just think that there's a lot of people that that I I think that what people do not realize is that capitalism by its very nature like we're not. <clears throat> We do not live under anything, or not, like what we live under resembles most anarcho-capitalism, which is anarchy originally is associated with communism and like leftist, leftist movements, and mm-hmm. anarcho-capitalism is the notion of entire privatization, so like the, uh, privatizing of everything. So, the, yeah. the, you, you know, like privatized police forces, right? Right. Privatize, you know, like, so uh, one of the things that is good about defund the police is that we're defunding the police. One of the things that scares me is that the way that these motherfuckers think, and I'm not at all saying that we shouldn't defund the police. I'm saying we should push Mm -hmm. back against the police. And when this other shit happens, we push it back too. But private, private police, like I, 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 I never, I see more, private security in my neighborhood monitoring like patrolling and working with the city than I ever see cops right and to some degree maybe that's like good but I don't know do I want non-trained people people trained less than police officers to have guns and fucking uh pepper spray and go around and like harassing homeless people in my neighborhood no I don't want Mm -hmm. that you know like that's not and there's no regulation on it at all or yeah. yeah So, so, uh, so what, what people don't realize is that like all of this shit, all of the shipping jobs away, like if you're really being genuine about like what is true about how our economy is run, both things are true. Immigration is bad for the Mm -hmm. economy, for, 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 for job competition and sending Mm -hmm. jobs away is bad for uh, job competition. But now what we've done culturally is we've separated, like, oh, if you're against immigration, you're a racist. If you are for shipping jobs away, you're a neoliberal, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so (sighs) it's just, it's like, my point is that it's just one party. It it is. It's like people were outraged when China, within the Hong Kong protest, when China was saying, like, proposed that, uh, yeah, you get to vote, but we would, we would, the party would pick the two candidates. Like, what the right. fuck do you think is happening? You like, that's yeah. America. That's exactly yeah, what we live on. Yeah, that's us under. for sure. I'll um, let you rant for a little bit. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> pass the uh, mic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who's in charge, really. Like, you know, and it's beyond pedophiles. Uh, pedophiles, yeah, by um, Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know who's in charge, um, but you know, it's it's not like we have the only thing. Only freedom. And capitalism is like free trade, you know, or, you know, it's like there's no freedom for anyone in capitalism. But there's no free trade um, either. There's subsidies for them. It's it's corporate yeah. socialism. Yeah. Oh, maybe you want to go more on that. Cause I... Oh, it like, uh, you know, like we bail them out instead of bailing the people out. Like, right, you know, right. instead of giving that, I mean, it's, it's pretty yeah, basic. Socialism stuff, yeah. exists for the corporations for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, I, I, it's just not. It's not anything new that I that I said there. But um, yeah, I you know, I think a lot of people on the left are pro fascism, and I'll tell you why. Because the reason that Alex Jones got fucking banished was in part for saying shit about Pizzagate, which led to violent outbreaks, right? That didn't lead to like a guy uh, trying to kill somebody at a fucking pizza place, right? I don't know about this, actually. Here, let me double check, because that's a pretty outlandish thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but, but I think, you know, it, and, then, and then there were also the, the, the parents getting harassed over Sandy Hook because he said it was like, because he was questioning whatever, and he was saying that it was a false flag and whatever. yeah. I think that that shit is fucked up, but I don't think censoring them is the good thing. And the the real, I think the real reason that that dude got canceled was not either of those things. I think the real fucking reason, and first of all, Pizzagate turned out to be true, just wasn't at a pizza place, right? And uh, it, I think it was because he broke to the right and he started supporting Trump. And that was the cardinal sin. And I think, again, yeah. with Julian Assange... He exposed Hillary Clinton rigging the election, which now doesn't matter because who gives a fuck? Like Bernie was a sellout anyways. But, you know, like, and that, that, that's why Bernie doesn't fucking defend him, right? Like when he mm -hmm. became involved in that, that's when it was like, fuck him. Mm -hmm. A lot of people on the left did that. Interesting. And, and, yeah. it, and, 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 and now the dude is just being slowly deteriorated, he, you, you know, it's fucked up. It's, it's like, it's a horrifying thing, but let's get back to like lighter, uh, interpretations. Yeah, I, got things. <laughs> <laughs> I know it could get really dark really quickly, particularly when you're talking about who's in charge and what's going on. And, um, so like, yeah. what, what have you been up to? Uh, do, do you mind me asking what you're doing for work or is that like something that you'd rather keep? I can cut that part, that question out even. Um, well, I am a, a UX designer and that's fine. You can keep it in, um, nights for a startup, uh, and I design, I'm designing their app and, um, and software. Uh, so are you a coder? What's that? Do you code? Uh, no, I don't code. I design. So I, I, I use design software though. Okay. Um, so, but then that stuff is handed over to, yeah, you're to like, the coders, put a to development. You draw, like, put a button here and all that kind of thing. 
it's in the most basic sense, yes. Okay, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is quite complicated. Um, it, it's, yeah. and um, I'm well, sure there's know. a logic it, to it. There's and a whole, it's very logic, it's very sus- systematic and there's a lot of logic to it and even you know, if there's not logic you, you make a logic to it um i took a boot camp in it uh, a couple years ago how how long is the boot camp maybe i should do that maybe we should all <laughs> artists maybe we should all like become well, aubrey's competition for work or just you know be you know join the corporate forces um i don't know like it, it's certainly uh i don't know yeah, it was. A, it's totally been a way to survive. Um, is why I, you know, went through the boot camp and yeah, yeah. Um, taking this on as career. Um, it's, I can't survive as an artist. My artwork is not commodifiable. Uh-huh. Um, you know, on purpose. Well, the people um, that want to. Oh, is it because it's not archival? It's not archival. It's okay. it's out of made out of cardboard, and um, I use napkins from the local ninety nine cent store. And what, how do you bind them? What do you use that? What do you mix? Glue, glue. like a glue mix, which okay. I will not give the secret to. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the KFC <laughs> recipe stays goes KFC to the grave. Chicken. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that took years of development. You know, the t- um, you've got a secret practice. I like it. I like it. Well, a secret mixture, I should say. Um, oh, do a lot of people use a different mixer to, with napkins? No, I don't know any artist that uses, uses Well, then napkins. you can take full credit and be like, you got your own like little routine. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the, it's the, the adhesive that no one, you know, that's, that I keep a secret. Yeah, and um, the choice to do napkins. And the choice to do napkins. I mean, the, out of, initially out of poverty. Because um, <laughs> yeah, you're LA so rich and, now. <laughs> well, not rich, but yeah, never be rich. Um, I'm certainly doing better than I've ever done financially, just nice. having a full-time job and being in tech. But, um, but this is, this is certainly a new experience for me, uh, to actually have some income, um, after like, you know, I was in the service industry for five years and I was in, you got all, out you know, right on time. Well, yeah. 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 Um, who knew? I, yeah. d- I didn't know. Um, I also would have been messed up if you knew and you didn't tell all of us. Right. Um, <laughs> you don't find me funny at all. <laughs> well, I was just thinking of like, you know, some, the Congress people, Congress, uh, people who, um, had didn't know about the pandemic, got the briefings. And oh yeah. So you immediately were in like a bad space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where my head went. Um, did you have, sorry, I think that like, I kind of got us into a dark space. Let's reset. And, uh, do you, did you have like any other sp- specific points that you wanted to hit in your topic? Let's re put us back on track. Yeah. Okay. So we've t- definitely talked about the Black Lives Matter movement um, and how corporations are using it, you know, particularly as a branding scheme. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Like we got dark again. So I don't know if I can go on with the defunding of the police, but. Yeah. No, um, you, you can talk about defunding the police. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, 
that that's Black Lives Matter movement is calling for, you know, invest divesting from the police and investing in, uh, you know, healthcare and mental health and um, education and and all, you know, actual investment in the communities because the police forces um, certainly haven't given them protection. You know, mm-hmm. uh, reform hasn't worked. Retraining hasn't really worked. Um, but anyway. What uh, was, what, what do people, okay. What you meant, or do you, do you have another spot that you want to go to? Or I, uh, I was going to ask you, like you mentioned leaving Chicago and seeing it being like, um, seeing it differently once you left. Can you expand yeah. on that a little bit more? Or uh, you don't have to um, if you don't want to. Yeah, I think, you know, culturally, yeah, I I've, you saw the segregation because I, I, you're kind of within it. So you don't, I didn't necessarily um, think of the violence in Chicago as being an issue um, until I moved to L.A. Um, Did you hear about it more when you were in L.A.? No, it was pretty like you heard about it in Chicago and I, I shouldn't say that cause I, I knew people that, you know, experienced it. Um, but it almost just felt more normal or something. Yeah. That like, makes sense. You're kind of pretty much on guard at all times. I don't know. Like I grew up in Florida, kind of, so yeah. I can, I can relate to sort of like that inexplainable like sense of just like, this is normal. And then you leave and you're like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> what? We were from um, what part of Florida? Miami. Where are you from? Oh, Cuban yeah. V. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you first generation? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm first uh, first generation born in D.C. Oh, okay. And then family moved to Miami. Or my family's from Miami. I, I, I was like a, a U.N. kid. So I was like, my oh. dad moved around. So I, like, I had a, a pretty different experience from a lot of Cubans, which is why I'm not um, I just, you know, like I still read the Miami Herald and I'm like, damn son, like the way that people just like state things as fact in that newspaper that are like, <laughs> you know, anti-communist, that's just like straight up anti-communist yeah. without any yeah. basis. It's just like, wow, you know, but that's one of those things that like when you leave, like I, it's, it's like when I was in, um, I, I, I went to school in Florence for two, for a year when it, it like during the Iraq, the second Gulf War, the mm-hmm. Bush W years. And when I came back, it was like talking to, it, it literally was a, an entire culture of people propagandized into believing that we needed to fight terrorism and like, you know, yeah. it was just yeah. fucking crazy. It was like talking to people that were just like, they all, all they, they were just talking point machines. So I, I definitely uh, know what it's like to leave like that, that you, one of the things that people say is that you experience culture shock a lot when you come back mm-hmm. to your country. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine like, well, I don't know. And there's actually a chance I might potentially moving back to Chicago. Really? Um, yeah. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of fearing it. Like I'm fearing moving back to Chicago, particularly for that reasons. Like I, I left Chicago for many reasons. Um, 
you know, uh, one is that the art world there seems, I mean, it's incestual everywhere. Right. But, mm. um, particularly when I went to this, I went to the school of art in Chicago. So once you kind of go there, you know, everyone there's, um, uh, there's definitely an ancestral nature. Like everyone that's in the art world in Chicago pretty much went to the school of art of Chicago. Yeah. That could um, be weird. Yeah, I, I, Miami, the same thing. A lot of people go to the new world school of art mm-hmm. and yeah. those are the big names out there. It, it, it's how it is in, in small markets. Uh, I mean, or, but I, and I get like what, what you'll miss about here, especially I see you're pretty active. I haven't actually met you in person, but we have a lot of over overlapping, um, acquaintances. So mm, yeah. I'm, I'm always like surprised that we haven't run into each other, but, uh, yeah. And this is our first time really talking to you like, yeah. ever. So, well, I mean, you were, you also spent some time in Italy and, and I was like excited. I tried to get you to go to a pizza place, but I don't think I know how it is when people shoot, shoot you like a million different, uh, suggestions, but <laughs> no, I, I liked your, I thank you for, it was nice getting those, uh, IG messages or DMs and it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I was, um, going, I was traveling with my 85 year old, um, Wella yeah. and, uh, and a few other family amazing. members. Yeah, it was really, it was really amazing. Um, and she, my, my grandmother did not get to see, like, didn't really get to travel until she was about 70 or so wow. at all. So, um, cause she's really like my family doesn't have money. So it's not like really been an option. Like the first time I went out of country was in Italy and I'm 32. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, cause I never just haven't been able to ever afford it. Um, wow. family, tri- family trips are very local, like to Wisconsin. I was in Chicago. So, Wisconsin's yeah. cool though. You, I'm, I like Wisconsin. Wisconsin, nothing bad, you know. Yeah. So how come you don't have like a, a <laughs> Ditka? <laughs> Are these uh, like, am I, is that too Gen X of me? You know, the bears. How come you don't have that accent? Bears. <laughs> um, I've definitely had, a. have I don't know. It might've changed slightly. But uh-huh. I've also like, um, and that's very South side Chicago. Like if I have oh, friends okay. from the South side, it's very distinctly, they have that Chicago accent. Oh, okay. it's, and, and those uh, are the Sox of, fans. Those are the Sox fans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I grew up mainly on the North side of Chicago or the West suburbs. Um, I grew up in, um, Berwyn, which is actually a pretty working class suburb of, um, Chicago and there's some people who have that accent like and it's called Berwyn and Berwyn um, Berwyn yeah that's awesome I yeah. I, I uh, thank you for let, helping me pin down and becoming more sophisticated <laughs> in my knowledge of how accents sure. work in that part of town because I because then there's also like it's just fun it's also fun to know that it's like so specific you know it's like you're in London and there's like t- several different accents uh relating to class yeah. as well but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I only like from people that travel to the states from uh, England. I I notice different accents. I'm like, wow, that's like a really high English accent that person is speaking <laughs> right now. They yeah. sound like royalty. They sound posh as fuck. Yeah, yeah. very bougie. Uh, but I could see. But going back to like what I was saying before we started talking about all these other stuff is that I can see why LA is a, is a happy place for you because mm-hmm. that you function somewhat 
uh, I mean, differently, but within the same, like, there's like, there's, there's a place to interact with like other artists and still be engaged and have an audience of people, even if you're not necessarily showing at the biggest spaces, right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, and I, I appreciate the artist run spaces. Like you can make it as an artist and, you know, I have to definitely move through the art world differently, differently than, um, many artists where I, for, for one, I work in installation made out of cardboard napkins Mm -hmm. and, you know, just like things that are not, um, and present a, uh, less, um, uh, what savory topic for like a gallery, you know? Uh, uh, and then artist run spaces give me the opportunity to do that. Um, because there is no, worry about if the, is this show going to sell um yeah I, it, that's a that's a big plus about uh the LA world um and having so such a robust artist run space community yeah um and the opportunity to show outdoors too which is never you know not something that's um only it's only realistic in Chicago 3 months out of the year yeah <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> which are those the those three months are the only time i've been to chicago it's the best time yeah. to come. everybody's and like out you can tell that motherfuckers have been uh, like huddled up indoors <laughs> it's such a depressing yeah it's and that's the other thing you don't realize how depressing like i was so much more depressed in chicago yeah uh, just cause the lack of lack of sunlight um very much darker too my palette has changed immensely from <laughs> Chicago to LA. Um, That's yeah. funny. In uh, I, I had a teacher when I was uh, studying that, or like a visiting teacher that was from Micah, and he was saying that uh, I think his name was Barry Nemet. He was cool. I, I, I learned a lot from him. But he was saying that at Micah, all like all the painters end up with the same like Baltimore brown like as it palette because it's like the city mm-hmm. has such a, a yeah. very specific thing that happens so i wonder what, what i wonder what colors <gasps> chicago would have uh, would it be like a lot of slush and a lot of like uh yeah fresh driven snow there's a, there was some of that uh i did painting i've had like seven years of painting um whoa background whoa. so like yeah the snow is definitely in there Go hold on. Go back. You did seven years of painting. That's like, <laughs> yeah. You just that dropped. That was a that. good majority of my twenties. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I made that switch early in grad school, I guess, or just like right before I got into that my MFA program in painting with my painting portfolio. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, and then I just like, what is this bougie thing? Painting is, you know, like, <laughs> I need napkins. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I was working in paper and car- I was still in cardboard, but yeah, it was like paper or the napkins came back, came definitely out of poverty moving to LA. Uh-huh. Um, but it was at that time I was, uh, getting, um, uh, student loans. So, I was buying archival paper <laughs> at that time uh, to like pulp up um, and make these. Uh, it wasn't necessarily an installation, but like these uh, paper like um, paintings or objects that come off the wall. Um, but yeah, but it was a big reaction to like painting is dead, you know, sort of feeling. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> I thought I, I I just felt baggage was there. Like when you said seven years of painting, I was like, uh oh, we gotta we gotta hit yeah, this we have to un- <laughs> unpack this. Talk, so unpack this. Talk about painting it. Painting is dead. <laughs> I wonder how angry some listeners are right now. Oh, Do I'm I, sure I anger a lot of. I think that might be the most controversial that thing that you've said so far. Why do you feel that? No, I'm I'm getting all Doctor <laughs> Phil. <laughs> oh God! No, but seriously, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I uh, I just uh, actually the one that I, the episode that I'm dropping this week is um, or on Monday is mm-hmm. with uh, Rukutsu Mutambara, who's still in school, and she, and her topic was like becoming more confident in my work and I was like oh sweetheart like <laughs> you know, oh, <laughs> you're you are you are like way ahead of the curve if that's where you're at right <laughs> like, yeah you know? like no I don't know any artists <laughs> are you really an artist no I'm just <laughs> are you confident in your work so. yeah and no mm-hmm. and and it was just funny because it, secret. it was it was it was like catching someone in the early cycles and then remembering what that, what it has like, and just being like, Oh yeah, that never really went away. <laughs> I thought I had gotten over it, but like talking to you right now, I'm like, yeah, that's still an issue. So seven yeah. years of painting, man, that's hilarious. Yeah. And there was a lot, there was a lot of like uh brick Brown because uh-huh. a lot of buildings in Chicago are made out of brick. Uh, this very foresty, dark green, which you might see on like ivy, uh, particularly at Wrigley Field. There's ivy. Oh yeah. Um, but there's yeah, there's a lot of those muted colors in Chicago for sure, and not much sunlight, so everything is not washed out, but um, just dark, dreary, wintry. Like I am miserable, but I'm okay with it. I'm you know. Are you, you know, the more miserable you are, the cooler you are. <laughs> That's a big part of Chicago, too. Um, particularly with artists, it's like, how, you know, how miserable. Are you? And I think this is similar with a lot of New York artists, too. It's yeah, like how, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. It, Chicago and New York are very similar in that way. Uh, very theory-heavy um, art practices and just people making themselves as miserable as possible and really <laughs> feeling the depths of it. I think there's definitely a correlation between the theory <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the suffering. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that's hilarious. But, uh, but in LA, I don't know, I became a completely different person. Um, the I, don't know, I, I still feel like pretty sad about a lot of stuff and the world is you know, pretty awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And being someone with an activist background and kind of feeling defeated on many levels in that way, um, you know, I I feel like there's definitely a huge weight and a weight for like justice too. But, you know, don't want to keep in my mind that there's no like hope, but. um, Well, I I don't know. I'm... Uh, obviously not struggling financially just yet, right? So I'm I, I I definitely am in a in a comfortable position to say this. So I want to acknowledge that, but I do think that there comes a time, very often, when the people like you you said we we were talking about how we don't really know who's in power, and that's fair. Yeah. I think that's that's like. 
But I think that the notion that those people understand everything and get it right and aren't going to fuck themselves uh, is not one that I uh, ascribe to. I don't think that they're geniuses. And I think that right. they're just greedy motherfuckers that have gone way too far. And, you know, like, they don't realize the hell that they're unleashing. And right now there's, like, people protesting Congress people's homes. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there was there was one on Saturday, the 25th. Uh, I, I, I didn't get to go to it, but I didn't... Like, I was just overwhelmed with my... Uh, like, right now, as we're talking, I'm kind of distracted because there's this huge new bug on my roof crawling. <laughs> but not... Is it a uh, It's not a roach. It's not or a like roach. cucaracha. No, it's not no. a cucaracha. Do you speak Spanish? No. Okay. No, that's fine. No, I don't. Um, unfor- I, yeah. No, I, I learned I, Chicago, a little bit of it. Chicago but, is uh, not, like... It's second generation in Chicago doesn't seem like a place. Yeah. You know, I think there's second generation. Uh, uh, I think Miami is probably the, the one place where you, at least when I was growing up, you did learn to speak Spanish. You would have to be like third generation to not speak Spanish in Miami. Wow. Yeah. And that, and similarly, like in LA too, it's, um, that's why I don't feel like Chicana here at all. Yeah. Um, I like from someone that was, you know, mostly surrounded by white people, um, and being the person of color, I don't feel like a person of color in LA at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's crazy because you are pretty person of color or you're definitely like more, uh, brown than I am but and Mm -hmm. and I don't feel uncomfortable claiming that (laughs) but for me it's because everybody thinks that I'm a terrorista instead of a Latino but oh yeah everybody thinks that I am not uh what's it called that that I'm either Jewish or or uh or Middle Eastern I'm just watching this fucking bug like it's gonna attack me I'm gonna have to send you a picture of this shit (laughs) because interesting I've had well I've, I've had cockroaches as well <laughs> i don't i've Not never like this seen this thing but it's it's like a fucking how big long, is it it's massive dude like how if, like uh how uh, what's something to compare in size it's about the size of a snail in length but not bulk oh okay it's like oh a, so it's thin it's thin yeah oh. and it's got long legs and it it kind of it's butt kind of points up in the air, which makes me think that I just can't see that it has wings and it might just jump at me. <laughs> is it like a stick bug? It's kind of stick buggy, yeah. I think I've seen, yeah, and it has like the upper back that does like a loop up. Yeah, you're going to maybe have to publish this episode for me if I die. Because <laughs> people have to hear the last, yeah. <laughs> the last podcast I do. <laughs> um, I have to learn a garage band. <laughs> yeah. well, can, can we uh, do like to end a little bit more happier place? Uh, and by oh. the way, I am saddened to hear that you might have to go back to Chicago. Uh, it's hope, not for sure. Yeah, I hope you it's... don't have to because uh, you seem happy here, and I definitely don't want anyone to lose the thing that makes them. Uh, realize that they don't need to be depressed the whole time. <laughs> right. Or bring some of that back to Chicago or something. Uh, yeah. I find that, that, that uh, weather is always a challenge for me. But if, you're, you, if you grew up there, it's different, right? Um, yeah. But I did want to ask you, so like, tell me about your first trip abroad. 
what was that experience like? What were your favorite things about going somewhere else uh, like that? Oh, yeah, that's, um, well, transformative, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't, you know, I think the oldest building or the particularly building or environment I've ever seen has been like maybe Baltimore. And mm-hmm. those, I thought those buildings are pretty old. Yeah. But um, yeah, particularly like just um, seeing objects and buildings that have so much history was pretty profound because they have like mm-hmm. an essence to it or something or like a aura. I don't know how to explain that. Um, no, I totally understand it because I've been there. It's hard to verbalize. Yeah. Especially yeah, if you've it's never... Like it has it, a feeling, such a deep, deep essence to it that... Well, and it's also yeah. designed to inspire awe, right? Like they're all... it that They're all designed on the golden ratio so that... It's like it's architectural propaganda, quite literally. Mm-hmm. So if you're into propaganda, of course you're gonna feel something. Oh, <laughs> I, I need to I need to look more into that because yes, I I didn't make that relationship at the time, but um, yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy stuff. I was gonna say something else, uh, but I completely forgot. But yeah, the, uh, what what was your favorite place to uh, to visit, like? Out of like, uh, what really stuck with you? I'm terrible with names. Um, well, I did like Florence a lot as a city. Mm-hmm. Florence is really interesting. Um, I think uh, there was a garden. Uh, uh, Pitti Palace. I, maybe bubbly yeah, garden. Bubbly garden. Bubbly bubbly garden. Yeah. yeah. Um, visit there. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, Rome at night is amazing. Yeah. In Florence at night too. Um, that's the biggest like takeaway is just how the cult, like the people, um, live life more relaxed. Like there was, uh, what was it? Like the customs agent had everyone wait because they were still sipping their espresso or something like that. Yeah. You know, it can get a little fucking mind numbing, but I get what you're saying. Like it is, it is different. Like it, what ends up happening a lot of times is that you just have to be fucking cutthroat and make sure you're not getting screwed and cut in line. It's like a very old oh, cult- interesting. culture uh, where that goes back to like a very f- like actual sort of uh, ideal what, what we I, what we think of when we think of a free market in the idealized sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that like I, I I always remind people that the reason that people were became fascist in Italy is because it was sort of a lawless place right and no one ever decides like fuck yeah i'm a bad person i want to be fascist like people think Mm -hmm. people become fascist because they think they're doing the right thing like censoring people you know if Mm -hmm. uh if you if you punish julian assange because he according to you got trump elected that is fascism that's not mm-hmm. even even if you think you're on the left, you're actually doing something on behalf of the right. So, so yeah. it, it's like control. It's about law and order. Whereas you know, and I'm not saying that the alternative is great because in that particular case, it's a society run by mobs, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know too much about the society, but um, you know, something I need to learn, educate myself on for sure. Well, no, I mean, if you're going there as yeah. a tourist <laughs> and it's your yeah, first exactly. trip. That's not the point. Yeah, that's not the point. But, but it, like, I mean, all of that stuff is like, imagine the amount of money it takes to build those, 
those, you know, like the, the Medici were a fucking mob. The Borgia were a mob. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. They traded in favors. They were the, the, um, what's, what's it called? They were, they were shady fuckers. <laughs> it wasn't, it's like we go there and it's like, oh, this place is so quaint. And it's like, yeah. Read Dante's Inferno and tell me that Florence is quaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the system's powers at be. It's kind of like gets us back to again, um, you know, kind of how this whoever's in power um, is uh, kind of seeing things unravel. I think, yeah. um, and like a big part of back to our topic of late stage capitalism. Um, it's, it's like capitalism is now at the doorstep and knocking on the door of the people that created it, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I also, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. get what you're saying. Like they might be for dinner kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're going to, um, they're going to cannibalize on their creators. Yeah. Uh, but, and I, I watched, um, I want to bring this up cause I did watch, an interesting talk last night, um, kind of like in preparation. I was like, Oh, I remember a few years ago, I watched this talk on, um, how corporations are actually, uh, artificial intelligence. Like there's no, the the singularity is not going to happen. It's already happening. Right. Oh, interesting. What, who, who gave that talk? Can can you Uh, share this? this? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, Charles Strauss, and I don't know much about this man. I know he's a science fiction writer. I don't know if he's a good or bad person. <laughs> good, you know, good job. Good job. But <laughs> protecting but, me <laughs> on my show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, but he, I like the talk is great. Whatever. Um, but and I forget what the talk is called. But look up Charles Strauss, corporate artificial intelligence, and. Um, can no you, corporations. Do, can you elaborate a little bit more on it? Uh, it, it or do you remember any other stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, so, of course, corporations' main reason for existing is to maximize their profit um, and doing whatever they can in order to, you know, maximize their profit. You know, yeah. they're, quote, unquote, like the ultimate um, paperclip maximizer. So they will take all the reserves of metal in the world just so they can keep on outputting paper clips. Yeah. Um, as far as how it relates to artificial intelligence. So, and particularly with COVID times and any, you know, and just even pre COVID, um, how the workforce has been made more temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like there's the profit margin has to keep on getting greater. So, you know, particularly people are very expensive to have as employees, um, you know, and even CEOs are not, uh, what's the word immune from being taken out of the equation if they're not increasing profit. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, with automation take, you know, coming back into the, coming into the conversation now, um, you know, the reduction of people in the workforce, because that, um, reduction of people, greater profit if you don't have a large employee base. Um, but you know, being replaced by, um, uh, artificial talents or automation of their, of their roles. Um, and if that just keeps on going 
And if the point of a corporation is just to kind of do whatever it needs to do to subsume, um, even within itself to generate more profit, it will do that no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it asks, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And you know, and the point of artificial intelligence is to, you know, have this intelligence that does something really well, like one thing yeah. very well. Right. Um, so why is that, you know, corporation, um, and definition is that, so it's almost like these corporations are going to exist beyond people and be automized. And anyway, well, very interesting. He, he explains it better than I do. No, but. that's fine. I, well, the, 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 uh, gap I want to bridge is sort of that, that that's interesting because at the, what's the end logical conclusion of that, right? If you devalue yeah. labor to the point that, uh, producing things becomes really efficient, then nobody has the money to buy anything. Right. Yeah. So it's, it, it, it is this like, uh, paradoxical efficiency that mm-hmm. is, you know, is interesting. That's why I'm kind of like up until, like, I think that UBI is necessary now, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's good for us to have it permanently because <laughs> then right. that's relinquishing more leverage, more control as a people. I mean, I think that people would, yeah. would, would going back to like not wanting to be depressed. And, and, and I think that a lot part of a large part of it is realizing how easily we have been uh, comfortable dehumanizing people. And what I mean by that is that, yes, there are people that dehumanize immigrants, but then there are also the people that dehumanize citizens of other countries. There are people mm-hmm. that dehumanize um, populations that try to establish their own agency, right? By, by, by protecting their resources from this artificial intelligence. Let's just keep the metaphor going, right? Mm-hmm. So... To facilitate that uh, efficient system of the artificial intelligence that needs to, of the corporation that needs to extract every bit of wealth in the, in the pursuit of, it's like, it's something that's just going to burn itself out. That's mm-hmm, where I yeah. would go to war. When people say that, you know, we're, we're, we're protecting our interests abroad. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, and what that what that actually means is that we want Halliburton to make money out there. We want all these other mm-hmm. people, you know, the, so our interest is like a term that's even been co-opted, right? So yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting conversation. I'm definitely going to have you back whether or not you're in Chicago. Hopefully when we talk, there, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be able to see that you managed to bring back all that positivity back to L.A., but, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but I, I have a suspicion our temperaments are similar. Because, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, even uh, like I also do stuff that's related to uh, my shit is a lot more masculine. I have to admit it's a lot more steeped in that Russian. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, like hard lines and dark and black and yeah. white and red you know i don't even know what accent well, who knows? That is. I, go, I come back to chicago and i'm like a chicago revolutionary it's depressed and <laughs> get back to the, the dark palette who knows like yeah. I, i'm up you know i've i changed this much in a few years who knows like what could happen yeah yeah you never know 
But I'll definitely have you back on. You are Aubrey underscore Igmar underscore Manson on Instagram mm-hmm. at uh, all that yes. stuff. And you have your website, which is AubreyIgmarMason.com. Yeah, it's just AubreyManson.com. Oh, Manson. Yeah. Mason. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've kind of you brought de- up the Charles Mason. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of developed a habit of like not really trying to read people's uh, anglicized names, and I did it unfortunately to someone who's actually of color. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know. It's. I know. I, I just. I, 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 I like if you had a complicated name, I would actually do you the courtesy of reading it of, of trying, but. If it's if it's like very gringo, I just get overconfident right. and I'm like, oh, I'm not plus, gonna fuck this up. <laughs> plus, it has man and son in it. It's it's terrible. Yeah. It's like oh, that's why you're anti patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, that just instilled that in me. I'm like, what what was I given? What does uh, Igmar mean? Um, that's actually a name I gave myself. Um, Ooh. And to anglicize uh, yourself even more. Even more, I guess it's, um, and I, mean, I don't, not on purpose, I suppose, but no, I could have taken my mother's name, Santos, um, which I considered too, but I just felt like it was very, uh, kind of, you know, there wasn't a gender to it necessarily or something. And mm. I liked having like the six, 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 <laughs> like in the, wait, um, are you a Satanist? Water. I'm not a Satanist at all. Levain? And it has nothing to do with it, but I just. You, you just know, like the, you just like being naughty. Of, yeah, it's just I don't know, or kind of dorky okay. uh, thing. Um, I was like, "Fuck, man, we got to do a whole episode on your Satanism." I know, no, no. <laughs> There's no Satanism. There's no Charles Manson. Um, yeah, yeah, no Marilyn Manson. Oh my goodness. There was like a whole conversation that would that that I stopped myself from having about how he was a CIA plant. Anyway, oh. there's a book about Wait, that. Marilyn Manson or Charles Manson? Charles Manson. Sorry. Oh, okay. Did I say Marilyn Manson? No, I, I said Marilyn okay. Manson. I hope my joke, as bad as it was, wasn't even like, if I had said Marilyn Manson, that would have fucked everything up. That would have made you a Gen Xer for sure, called you out. That's why I was... Oh, I'm a hard Gen. I'm like a final Gen X. I'm 80, 1980. Oh, yeah. You're like on that cusp of millennial and Gen X. Yeah. And I... And I Lord it over all millennials and Zoomers. And and Zoomers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so disrespectful. I even call them Zoomers. All right. uh, So anything else you want to plug? Uh, No. um, Thank you for, you know, even contacting me about this. I really do enjoy your podcast and I've been listening to it for the last year and a half and secretly hoping you'd ask me to be on it. So so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you are a nice person, and it's m- pretty much a matter of me getting around to everybody <laughs> at this point because I have yeah. overcommitted to making even more of these. Right. But, I mean, yeah. last week you said you had three. Three. Yeah, five? I fucked up. I'm not. Yeah. I'm never doing that again. Two. <laughs> two is the max. Roland. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Nice talking over here. All right. Okay. Bye. Take care. Bye.